Hi, this is Farah. This is Alex. And welcome back. This is a special episode today, once more. Once more. <laughs> I feel like every episode is special. Well, it's special in its own kind. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. It's a bit different than usual. Yeah, this is the second episode of this two-part series. Where I am now the guest. Whee! Yes, where we interrogate the host. Oh my god, this is a super exciting time. The tables have turned. <laughs> I know, I feel different to be on the inside. <laughs> now you understand how I felt last week. Hell <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, I think I should introduce myself again. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay, so in case I've forgotten who I was... Um, you may have forgotten yourself. Yeah, I'm just wearing myself. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, right, so about myself. So, I am Farah Francis. Um, I'm doing a master's in biomedical science in the University of Edinburgh, and it's a research master's where we have to do two different projects in the span of a year and produce two dissertations. Way one is supposedly due next week, and I'm still finding words to write, um, but we'll get there, we'll get there, it's a different story. So my specific project is about the use of immunotherapy to improve memory in Alzheimer's disease. So um, it's a different research compared to all my colleagues in the course. I am doing computer-based research where it involves a lot of data mining and reading a lot of research paper that have been published published throughout the whole years. I think the first paper on immunotherapy on mice models is um, published in 1998. And then since then, there's like That's more and more... What? That's when I was born. Really? Oh my God, how many years then? Since then? 21. Oh, so it's been 21 years since the first paper investigate immunotherapy on Alzheimer's disease in transgenic animal models. So transgenic animal models that I'm looking at is um, mice that have the gene that express Alzheimer's. So this mouse or mice or rats, they are born to have Alzheimer's. It sounds a bit cruel, but we didn't... Hopefully they'll forget quite quickly. Really? Well... Do you know what? I was thinking to myself, at the end of this project, I might have to mention myself. Not contagious, but I don't know. Yeah, so so these mice are born to have Alzheimer's symptoms. So it makes them ideal for testing interventions, um, like treatments or other kind of like care to see if it works on these mice for Alzheimer's. So mainly my project is um, looking at all the data I've been collected and then pull them together because um, usually when people do animal studies, they have like very small number of mice, for example, can go as low as eight. And then they always report saying that it shows significant improvement in the, mem- in the memory with the drug use, which is... Um, I think it's overstatement because based on eight mice, you can't really make that big of a conclusion. Um, also, um, how do they know if a mice have rec- recovered memory? Uh, they do this um, 
So there's several different tests. And Do they ask they the use... mice? No, they don't. But it's, it's well. We don't physically ask the mice, but we did. We did. We do use this test called the Morris Motor Maze, invented invented by Richard Morris. Um, hence the name. Hence the name, and he's he when he invented it, he was in St Andrews University, and then now he's working with Edinburgh University in a neuroscience department. Um, so they do this test where they put platforms in the in a pool of water, and then you train the mice to swim to this specific platform. And then after like let's say three training or three trials we call it, and they will take up the platform, let the mice in the pool to swim around to find this supposedly platform that's supposedly be there. So that's how they look at that they did the mice manage to learn where the platform is and then hence memorize the specific location. Um, and they only make them look for it three times before taking it off. Um, some of the research or experiments they do just three times, but some of them do nine times. And then, is there so many variability within the study for Alzheimer's, especially in memory? So it's really hard to like show the overall effect size, which is one of the reasons that I decided to do a systematic review and meta analysis as a tool that can show um, future people who wants to do Alzheimer's research about where we are now, like how many drugs have been tested, what's the overall effect of the drug, um, what can you get from this um, systematic review and analysis as you can um, potentially find the best drug candidate to be taken to the um, human clinical trials. So, for example, immunotherapy has been been in human trials for human, but it kept kept on failing, um, showing adverse side effects and no improvement in the memory of in the human. So that's why I decided to do a meta analysis and systematic review. So, what I want to see why we show so much promise in animal trials for immunotherapy but it fails in human trials which is a waste of resources and also time been put on to do human trials um, so what I found out is because there's so many different things like different way of people doing research the quality of research is not that high in preclinical trials for Alzheimer's drug um, so what I found out is um, different papers have different number of animals and then hence effect the, the total effect size. None of them do a power calculation to see how many mice needed to like show an effect. So how many mice would be needed? Um, I honestly don't know because I didn't do the power calculation. <laughs> I just like, why do I just read a paper and see if they have report the power calculations? and which they don't and that's why there's like random numbers of animals appearing and we want to make it like we want to understand why people pick certain number of animal why five why eight why like ten and also hoping after my analysis i'll be able to tell the gender differences in alzheimer's disease um in mice i read a paper 
about how the stages of Alzheimer's development differs between female and male. So I think from hopefully from this um, end of my analysis, I can pull together all the data and see how gender specific um, the Alzheimer's study. It's interesting, some people just use female, some papers use male and some use both. Um, because it's good for research that, you, that use both because we want the drug development to target both human population, not just one gender. So I find it interesting that this um, Maurice water maze, they pit mice in a pool of water and they let them swim to find a platform. And I'm impressed that the mice that have Alzheimer's find a platform. Like, I don't think I can and I don't have Alzheimer's. I'm impressed with this mice that have Alzheimer's. They can find a platform. I got, I was lost on the way here today and I know where this room and I've been here before. Yeah, to. and I just went to the wrong room and opened the door and it looks different. I'm like, oh, this must not be the room then. So I even know how this room looks like. Yeah, but there's a difference between you and the mice though. What? I don't the have mice, Alzheimer's. No. I must have a new disease. No, the mice is not confused. It knows what it's looking for. It knows where to go. You're just confused. But I know where to go. That's the worst bit. I was like, mm. yeah, but you got confused along the way at some point. Yeah. So yeah, along the way. <laughs> so yeah, I find this mice impressive. Like, um, I did watch some of the videos of the mice swimming, and they're really, really cute. So what I learned from this project is a new way to do meta-analysis. So I had a previous experience of conducting meta-analysis, and that was on human trials. And now I'm doing it on animal trials, and I have to admit, I find it much more harder, harder than I thought it was going to be. What, human trials? No, animal trials. Oh. There's so many aspects to look at, for example, like the memory test in the water maze, and then you see the different dose of it, and then the timing. Dose of what? Dose of immunotherapy. Ah, oh, not dose of water in the maze. Dose of water? Yeah, in the maze. Finally, if you're talking about water and me, some different studies use different color of water. Some of them use clear water. Some of them use white water. They what put, is white water? They just I, they either put paint or like I'm not joking, powdered milk. So later, this mice is swimming in milk. I'm not sure how that affects the the overall outcome. It gives the mice strong bones. <laughs> and then the other one used like black ink to make the water black. And sometimes I do... Hopefully they use white mice. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the, what's the relevance. I know they want to make the colour of the platform and the water same, so like it's not very obvious to the mice. But I wish they use more standardised colour. I mean, personally, when you're swimming around and you're looking for a platform, like if you're in a swimming pool and looking for a platform, you don't generally look in the water, you just like kind of dabble about because you can't really see it. if you move around and there's a water moving around you've got chlorine in your eyes you can't see yeah if especially if you have like black ink water that must intimidate yeah. mice you're like what is this color i've never seen it before in my life and why i have to swim in this pool <laughs> so like, i don't trust this water can i talk to the manager please <laughs> yeah so like those kind of things like that falls under animal ethical as well because they can't speak for themselves unlike human trials like, for human trials, if they don't want to be part of a trial, they can always drop out. Hmm. But this mice, they do not have that choice. 
unless they decide to be like, I'm not going to move. <laughs> I'm just going to drown. <laughs> yeah, it's like, give up on living. I don't want to swim one more time. Like, that's it. It's like the case of Mice 42. Oh, yeah, the one that you sent me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, that's precious. So for our listeners, a case of mice 32 is, um, <laughs> there was a, a research lab that had a number of mice and there was this specific mice, which was number 42. <laughs> and the story is that it would always interfere with the experiments and like it would, the observer said that the mice was doing everything possible to annoy <laughs> him and... And not do what I expect yes, to do. Yes, basically. And just like... Intentionally as well. Yeah. Let's say it was an experiment where the mice had to do a certain gesture and stuff like that, reacting to a smell or a scent or or a stimuli, and then it'd get a reward with food if it did it correctly or, or, or not. And that mice, number 42, would just hold its paws up and just <laughs> grin at yeah. the guy. <laughs> They're actually smart being, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And I heard rats, you can have him as have them as a pet and you can train them. I've seen a video Train to do of, what? I don't know, like stand up, pretend to be a meerkat. You know, when you can stand on your hind legs. Or sit. Mm, how do they, how do they sit? How does a mice sit? On a chair. <laughs> no, I don't think so, but You know you can always train a rat to go to the cuisine and start cooking for you. Ratatouille. <laughs> You got the reference. <laughs> I got the reference this time. All right, so moving on to the general club bit. So I brought a paper. It's about stratifying medicine, particularly in neurology. So it's a relatively new field. People now getting to stratify medicine or if they want to go more specific, like precision medicine. So stratifying medicine is mainly aimed at a specific cohort, specific group of people and... Um, precision medicine is more towards personalized organization or like personal, like to individual itself. 